the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. Good morning to you. Thank you so very much for joining us as we get underway at eight minutes past the hour of nine o'clock on this Tuesday, the 19th morning of the third month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Got a couple of powerhouse guests going to be joining us on the air today, including Grover Norquist. Uh, Grover, as you know, is the president of Americans for Tax Reform. He's going to be joining us to talk about taxes in Ohio in about uh, half an hour at about 935 Specifically, the gas tax. You know, our conservative Republican leadership in Columbus, Governor DeWine, just uh, promoted and pushed, and then his colleagues in the Republican-led Ohio House went ahead and passed a 10.7 cents per gallon tax hike on gallons of gasoline in the state of Ohio. That's for regular fuel, 20 cent increase for diesel. So truckers... Uh, and diesel users in the state of Ohio are really going to feel a massive increase in their costs. And uh, somehow they think that's okay. Kind of disagree. Grover Norquist is going to join us. I kind of think he disagrees, too. That'll be at uh, at about 9.35. And then at 10.05, our friend Dave Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Reform will be back to join us to talk about some of the new numbers uh, and why Homeland Security Secretary Nielsen declared that the border security, our border security, is at a near-system-wide meltdown. She is livid. As the Secretary of Homeland Security, she has a right to be livid. The fact that our southern border has gone from crisis to national emergency to near-system-wide meltdown is problematic, and no one in Congress seems ready and willing to do anything about it. It's a massive, massive problem. We're going to talk about that with uh, Dave Ray from FAIR coming up at the top of hour number two. But for now, I want to start on guns. 
to start the broadcast today, not here in the United States, but uh, by extension, I suppose, because everybody now has an opinion on New Zealand. As New Zealand's gun owners, according to multiple stories in yesterday's news, New Zealand gun owners are voluntarily surrendering their firearms after the tragic and horrific uh, mass shooting at the two mosques last week. 49 people, actually 50 were killed. One of those who was on in the critical condition lost their fight. So the number is 50 who were killed and some 39, 40 or so that were wounded. Um, New Zealanders are, according to the reports, this particular one is from the New York Post from yesterday. They are giving up voluntarily their weapons after Prime Minister uh, Jacinda Ardern uh, begged for the laws to change. You can surrender your gun to the police at any time, she said. In fact, I've seen reports that people are already doing this, the Prime Minister told reporters yesterday. Several Kiwis have taken to Twitter to announce they've given up their weapon after the gunman opened up opened fire on two mosques in Christchurch on Friday. Since I first heard about the atrocity on Friday afternoon, I have reflected and reserved my thoughts. Uh, I think they meant to say reversed, tweeted one user alongside a photo of the New Zealand police arms surrender form. Monday morning, this is one of the easiest decisions I've ever made. have owned a firearm for 31 years. But this user was giving it up. Now, I'm going to try my best to keep my composure as I ask a very simple question here. Are these people out of their minds? All right, I failed. I didn't keep my composure. That was kind of loud. The Prime Minister of New Zealand is encouraging a voluntary probably soon to be compulsory policy of New Zealanders giving up their firearms. In fact, it is going to be compulsory. New gun reform laws are being passed in New Zealand even as we speak. This was updated this morning. New Zealand's government has agreed to reform the county's uh, country's gun laws in the wake of last Friday's massacres or massacre at two mosques, so it's kind of massacres, Ardern said that the worst act of terrorism on our shores has exposed a range of weaknesses in New Zealand's gun laws. Speaking after her weekly cabinet meeting on Monday, Monday evening local time, the Prime Minister told reporters that ministers had agreed in principle to reform gun laws. Quote, Within 10 days of this horrific act of terrorism, we will have announced reforms which will, I believe, make our community safer, end quote. While acknowledging that for a short period, the planned amendment might create uncertainty. (laughs) Uncertainty. The great word for it. For some gun owners, Ardern said, I strongly believe that the vast majority of gun owners in New Zealand will agree with the sentiment that change needs to occur. End quote. There's no reaction quite like a knee-jerk reaction, is there, Madam Prime Minister? Nothing quite like thinking something out before instantaneously instituting a new policy that is only going to make the people of your nation more vulnerable to gun violence. Earlier yesterday, 
Popular New Zealand e-commerce website TradeMe ended the sale of semi-automatic guns uh, on its online marketplace. We have listened to public sentiment at following Friday's terrorist attack in Christchurch and decided to remove all semi-automatic firearm sales and parts associated, TradeMe wrote in a statement. And, of course, it would be remiss. I would be remiss if I didn't point out that would mean they have to remove literally all firearms because every firearm, short of a machine gun, is semi-automatic. All of them. A thirty-eight, a forty-five. Uh, or uh, an AR-15. One round is dispensed with each pull of the trigger. That makes it semi-automatic. Fully automatic would be multiple rounds being dispensed with each pull of the trigger, as long as it is held down. Why do we need to go through this again and again and again? The Prime Minister also announced there would be an, an inquiry into the specific circumstances leading up to Friday's attack. The inquiry will look like look into what agencies knew or should have known about the gunman's access to weapons or any impediments into the sharing of information. It will also look at the individual's travel movements, activities in New Zealand, use of social media, and contact with others. Those things are fine. Those things are appropriate to investigate after a horrific mass murder, certainly. But what does that have to do? with innocent New Zealanders, Kiwis, who want to protect themselves. The key agencies the inquiry would look at include the New Zealand Security Intelligence Service, Government Communication Securities Bureau, Police Customs, and Immigration. Ardern said that her government had also also had preliminary discussions uh, around ensuring that New Zealanders had an opportunity to commemorate the victims as one uh, as one, but that any national memorial service would not take place this week. Ardern, accompanied by the Governor General Patsy Reddy and Parliament Speaker Trevor Mallard, said Monday, uh, or on Monday, opened a national condolence book for victims. While this is a small action, the condolence book offers an opportunity for New Zealanders to unite and express our opposition to hate and state our commitment to the values of love and compassion, end quote. But what's missing from that is a commitment to defense, to self-defense. While the Prime Minister is changing the gun laws in New Zealand to make them more restrictive, to make firearms harder to acquire for law-abiding people, while New Zealanders, according to the New York Post story and others, are voluntarily surrendering their weapons because somebody used a gun to kill, I'm wondering and waiting, waiting and wondering, if anybody is going to whisper in the Prime Minister's ear. Psst. Madam Prime Minister. The only reason he was stopped from shooting at the second mosque is because another guy had a gun and fired back at him. Then he and they jumped in their car and sped away. Are you sure you want to take the guns away from everybody else? Somebody going to let her know? that countless numbers of lives may have been saved because of the presence of a second gun? Is somebody going to let her know that the criminal here isn't going to respect her cute little gun laws? That if this killer, this psycho, 
this white supremacist, anti-invasion, uh, whatever you want to call him. I'm not going to give him the, 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 the benefit of, of putting his name out there. I think, by the way, most of the media has done an outstanding job of trying to keep this idiot anonymous. But um, does anybody think that this psycho killer is going to respect gun laws, is going to think, I'm going to make a statement, I'm going to shoot up a bunch of mosques to protest the Muslim invasion of New Zealand. I'm going to shoot up these mosques. Oh, wait a minute. What? Guns are illegal in New Zealand? Well, never mind. I guess I'll just uh, go back to my regular routine of going to work and, and living my life. I guess I'll, I'll abandon my manifesto after all, because guns are illegal now. Or is a psycho like this going to acquire a gun illegally through black market or however it is that he can in the same way that drugs, which are also illegal, are acquired through the black market through illegal sales? I mean, this what this prime minister just did and what the people of New Zealand are saying is, We don't care how many lives were saved by the presence of, yes, here's that phrase that NRA haters abhor, a good guy with a gun. Good guy with a gun fired at the bad guy, chased him off, fired at him as he sped away. How many more people would have been shot had it not been for the good guy with the gun firing back? Again, it's a universal code among mass murderers and mass shooters. They don't like being shot at themselves. <laughs> it's just this little kind of weird thing they have. They like the bullets leaving them and and and, and arriving at other people. They don't like bullets uh, leaving other people and arriving in their general vicinity. They tend to oppose that. Why? Because they're cowards. They're cowardly killers. They don't want to be shot back at. And when somebody does shoot back, they flee. Madam Prime Minister, you have made your people more vulnerable. You have made them less safe. New Zealanders giving up your your arms voluntarily, you have made yourselves less safe. How can you possibly suggest that you're safer now from another mad gunman like this psychopath, like this hate-filled monster? How are you not now safer from people like him when he decides to come in and go on a shooting rampage when nobody will be able to fire back? Until what? Until police arrive. And what happens when the police arrive? What do they bring to try to bring about an end to that murderous rampage? Do they bring sticks? No. Do they bring knives? No. Do they bring diplomatic conversation? No. They bring guns. Because that's the only thing that drives a mass shooter away is guns. As I've always said, When there is a mass active shooter in a school, in a restaurant, in a mall, in a movie theater, in an outdoor concert in Las Vegas, at a nightclub in Orlando, in an office building in San Bernardino, when there is an active shooter situation and people call 911, what are they ordering? They're placing an order for guns. Please bring guns. 
we're being shot at. I'd like an extra large order of guns to arrive at the premises immediately, please, so somebody can shoot back at this guy and stop him from killing all of us. That's what people are asking for. Bring guns now. And yet, here we are in New Zealand, and yes, because, by extension, the American left here in the United States is demonizing the weapon, demonizing the guns that would have saved people's lives, and in fact did, at the Second Mosque, save lives. It's 922. Uh, 922, it's the Bob France Authority. Join us at 216-901-0945, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Four six eight ten. Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Indeed, 926. See, this song was so nice, we're playing it twice. How about that? Haven't heard me any easy lover in a long time. My man Josh running the show today. Said, gotta love me some Phil Collins, and I want to know what you got against Philip Bailey. Why are you gonna diss on Philip Bailey like that? This is a two-man show. This is uh, Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Now, the difference being, of course, I don't know any other song Philip Bailey has ever done. <laughs> I can name probably a dozen and a half Phil Collins and Genesis songs, but still, give the man some love. Philip Bailey and Phil Collins. I love this song from the '80s. One of my favorites. Uh, let me go to the phones, talk a little bit more about firearms, those evil, terrible sticks that uh, uh, don't do any good for anybody. They only do harm, of course, and that's why uh, the left wants you to get rid of yours. David in LaGrange, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Hi, David, go ahead. Hello. Bob, there was, I read an article some time ago. They interviewed criminals, and their biggest fear when they committed a crime against somebody, that their victim would have a gun. Now, my grandmother, she lived alone, and she had herself a pistol and a shotgun. Now, just because you're a criminal and you're going to break into somebody's house doesn't mean you're going to have a gun. Criminals look for an easy target, somebody who's vulnerable, like an old lady, a single lady, you know, living alone. Sure. So Sure. You know, you're, you're exactly right. That is what they do, and when they go... To commit these types of terrible crimes in public places, they look for for stores and businesses and churches and whatever that have those signs outside that say no guns allowed on the premises because they assume that all of the law-abiding people will respect those signs and go into those places unarmed. Therefore, when they go in, they have uh, just, you know, it's like going to the... It's like going to the carnival or going to Cedar Point or something and uh, doing the shooting gallery. You know, you just have a bunch of targets there and you can shoot at will because nothing is coming back at you. You and still I there, David? The left. Yeah, I'm still here. Go ahead. Uh, last thought. Okay, I think the, the left, you know, want to talk about violating women's rights. Well, they're, they're violating their rights, the right to defend themselves. Yeah, you're you're 100 percent right. You're 100 percent right. And women, and really, it doesn't matter who you are, but but you're 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 spot on. They do. They look for soft targets. I mean, you know, it, it only stands to reason. It really does. Why why do people leave their lights on when they go out at night? Right? 
because they want criminals, potential criminals, who might be thinking of breaking in to think that someone's home. And if someone's home because the light's on, you're probably not going to break into that house because somebody there might resist. Somebody there might be armed. But if they see all of the lights off, especially at an early hour, you know, earlier in the night, nobody's home. Nobody can shoot at me. That's a soft target. That's where I'm going. That's what I want to do. And this isn't rocket science. Criminals like to steal stuff. They don't like to get shot. Criminals who are murderers like to shoot, but they don't like to get shot. They like to make other people dead, but they don't want to be dead. The only thing that ever stops them is the possibility of a gun being present, which, again, they'll walk right by uh, houses with lights on and and stores and businesses and, and public places that have signs that say uh, uh, no guns allowed here. They'll walk right by, or walk, I'm sorry, they'll walk right by the ones where guns might be present and walk right into the places with the, that say uh, no guns allowed because they know that that is where they will be safest as they carry out their terrible uh, their terrible crimes. Thank you. I appreciate the phone call, David. If you're on hold, stay there. I'm coming back right after the news. Also, though, coming back after the news, going to talk to Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform. Talk to him about um, uh, about the Ohio gas tax. We haven't talked much about this, but uh, our wonderful Republican governor that we all voted for, uh, Mike DeWine, and our Republican legislators have decided, yeah, um, we're going to screw the, Amer- the, uh, the Ohio drivers. Gas tax hikes all around gas tax hikes to the tune of 10.7 cents for every regular gallon and 20 cents for every diesel gallon. That's a problem. Grover joins us next right here on AM 1420. looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended? This isn't it. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Did you know that uh, Mike DeWine would be wearing this song? Did you know that Ohio GOP legislators who are in charge of the House would be uh, the tax men? Yeah, they are. Um, Recent tweet by Grover Norquist yesterday, in fact, a politician who says... He can only build or repair roads and bridges if taxes are raised, has just told you that roads are his lowest priority. Everything else in the existing budget is, to him, more important than roads. It's a great point. It's a great point. You're telling me there's nowhere else in the Ohio budget that we can trim fat to be able to make sure that our roads are maintained, repaired, built, that we have to raise taxes for it? Doesn't make any sense. I completely agree. We're talking with Grover here in just a couple of minutes. Uh, as soon as we're able to make that connection with him, he is uh, scheduled to join us uh, to talk about it. Uh, here's the deal, just so you know. The Ohio House on uh, uh, earlier this month actually voted 71-27 in favor of the $7.94 billion two-year transportation budget that includes higher gas taxes, fees for electric and hybrid vehicles, more money for public transit, and a bigger, bigger share of uh, funding for local governments. Under the current version, if this goes all the way through and it will be signed by the governor, who actually wanted more, he wanted a bigger tax increase than this 10.7 cents. But motorists would pay that 10.7 cents more per gallon figure for gas, 20 cents more per gallon of diesel, raising the overall motor fuel tax to 38.7 cents for regular gas and 48 cents for diesel. It would be phased in over two years. Uh, the gas tax would be. The diesel hike would be phased in over three years, both starting in October. 
Uh, this falls short of what DeWine wanted, which was an 18-cent hike starting on July 1st and tying it to inflation so it would automatically rise. You know, I I supported Mike DeWine for governor, quite obviously over Richard Cordray for good reason. I support uh, the majority of Republicans who are in the state house and the state Senate for pretty good reasons. But when they start spending and acting like Democrats, it just makes you wonder, what's the point? It does. Just what, what, What's the difference? This is something Cordray would have done. This is something a Democrat-controlled uh, house would do. Why are Republicans doing this? Governor says this is uh, this is the bare minimum needed. He said his eighteen cents per ca- per, ca- per gallon uh, request was the bare minimum needed to address dangerous roads and intersections. If you think the roads are bad now, you haven't seen anything yet. Dewine said in his state of the state address. The House-passed bill is far from ideal, but I appreciate the strong bipartisan acknowledgement that our state and local jurisdictions have a major revenue shortage to deal with vital transportation needs, he said. I'm very open to dialogue with the legislature on this issue. Mr. DeWine, I am not in the legislature, but I would love to have a dialogue with you. I would like to know why it is that you think we have to raise gas taxes on both regular drivers and commercial vehicles by that diesel increase, which is only going to hurt business. It's only going to hurt, uh, you know, the bottom line of our of our employers. Um, why do you think that is the only way that you can fund roads, and repairs, and, and new construction? It makes no sense. Bridge construction as well. It makes no sense. You're telling me there aren't a few billion dollars in uh, budget cuts to trim the fat that you have in the Ohio existing budget that you could use to make that? Uh, I, I'm told Grover Norquist is on the line now, so let's bring uh, Grover Norquist, the president and founder of Americans for Tax Reform, right here on AM 1420, the answer to the program. Grover, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to be with you. Good to talk to you. So, um, you know, we voted, we meaning uh, uh, Mike DeWine voters, we voted for Mike DeWine over Richard Cordray and a lot of Republicans in our state uh, house uh, over their Democratic opponents because we kind of believed in conservative pr- uh, uh, fiscal uh, um, uh, principles and not tax and spend liberal principles. And yet here we are, our Republican elected officials are essentially saying we have to tax, 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 and increase taxes in order just to fund our roads and bridges. What say you? Well, the state has a surplus, and they're asking for tax increases. The state has a law that many other states have gotten rid of called the prevailing wage law. Mm-hmm. Michigan got rid of it. Wisconsin got rid of it. West Virginia, for crying out loud, got rid of it. Kentucky got rid of it. Ohio still has it. It requires that you pay above market rates when you do construction work on roads. Ohio said many years ago, you know, we have this prevailing wage for building school. That's ridiculous. We can build uh, 11 schools for the cost of 10 if we got rid of prevailing wage. And under a Republican, I believe it was Voinovich, that's exactly what they did. So in Ohio, you can today build 11 schools for what used to, under prevailing wage, take 10. You know where prevailing wage continues to be the law of the land? In Ohio, for roads and bridges. So 10% of everything that exists governor wants to take from the people of Ohio, he pisses away. It's wasted. It doesn't get you another lane. It doesn't get you a bridge. It doesn't fill a pothole. It's just overspending. And the Republican Party, under Voinovich, who is not exactly Ronald Reagan, okay, um, said this is ridiculous, it's stupid, it's criminal, it's corrupt, 
as did Michigan, as did Wisconsin, as did West Virginia, as did Kentucky. This has got to go. And they all got rid of it. And the governor's saying, and sadly, the Republicans who are, the Republicans don't run the Ohio House. The Republicans in conjunction with the Democrats do. And they promised them all sorts of things to get Democrat votes for leadership positions. So the Democrat controlled on this issue, House of Representatives, uh, also doesn't want to get rid of uh, this excess spending. Uh, and for heaven's sake, there isn't a penny, a penny in the entire state budget that couldn't be said, you know what, we're not going to spend that. We're going to put it into roads. We're going to put it into bridges. Add to that, here's the deal the House is doing. They want to siphon off some of that money that they've told the people of Ohio are going for roads and bridges, roads and bridges, roads and bridges, and they're going to put it into mass transit. Mass transit meaning not mass, only a few people ride it. No mass transit has ever had the readership, the, the ridership that they say it's going to have. Um, if you have to look at something that has failed over and over again in state and city after state and city, the idea of light rail, not that it's light, it's that it sure. doesn't carry many people. Um, light meaning small, meaning right, understood. in terms of freeing up stuff. Um, they're going to take money that they promised to um, roads that they told the people of the state that the, you know, the governor didn't get up and say, hi, we're going to take this money, we're only going to spend some of it on roads and bridges. He led people to believe that this, these resources are going to roads and bridges. So step one, if you want 10% more roads and bridges, get rid of the prevailing wage law, also called the mini davis Bacon law. Two, you want more roads and bridges, reduce spending elsewhere. Take a look at the surplus that uh, the previous governor uh, built up. And the problem with surplus is, is this is called slush funds for the next governor. It is not safe for an emergency. It's safe for the next governor to use as a slush fund. And whether it was DeWine or the Democrat, by running it, by not cutting taxes, by not reducing the tax burden, unfortunately what Kasich did was just hand this over to the special interest. You can't put a birthday cake under the sink and not expect cockroaches. You can't take a you know, multi-hundred billion dollar surplus and put it on the table and not expect every special interest in the state and the world to show up and want some. It, it's a very case that should have reduced taxes to return or to leave that money in the hands of taxpayers. Already, the governor wants to spend all that and raise taxes. It's, it's a real challenge. Other states that are attracting people, the, people, the states that people move to from Ohio, like Texas and Tennessee and Florida, have no income tax. They have great roads. They spend wisely. They don't have prevailing wage laws. Grover, I want to I want to go back to the prevailing wage because I completely concur. And before you came on, that's exactly what I was talking about: is is funding the um, uh, the roads through the existing budget by trimming uh, in other areas. Don't spend money on other things and 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 redirect those and reapportion those funds to the roads if they are so important. They should prioritize. Uh, so I concur with yeah. that part. The prevailing wage part, though, um, I I was not very familiar with. Can you tell me when is the last time this subject was broached with any pressure whatsoever on Ohio legislators? Uh, well, when they got rid of it for um, schools under Voinovich, they got they abolished. For the, actually, they didn't abolish it. They greatly uh, reduced its cost. Okay, they should right. just abolish it, but they greatly reduced it. They reformed it so that every school being built cost ten percent less. It is. It has come back, particularly for roads, because Wisconsin 
the Democrats in Wisconsin, before Walker got there, did what previous governments, unfortunately, in Ohio did, which is siphon money that was supposed to go to roads off into other things. In Wisconsin, they took $100 million a year for 10 years, a billion dollars, that was supposed to go to roads and bridges and put it into general revenue and spent it on other stuff. Okay? Then they turn around and go, ooh, no money for roads. This is a game. The did they raise? Did did, did they then again. raise their gas tax? Did they raise it in response? No. Then? What they no? They got they got rid of uh, uh, Davis Bacon. They got rid of the, the minimum wage law, and they okay. refused to raise gas taxes. There are some people who still talk about that, but for the eight years of Governor Walker, no, no, no. They reformed government rather than raise taxes. Uh, ditto uh, the other states that I mentioned. Michigan is also uh, in the process of. They got rid of their Davis uh, Bacon, their mini uh, prevailing wage law. So that just takes, that tells 10% of, I mean, it means you now get 10% more of everything without raising a tax. Why would you not start with that for crying out loud? No, I agree. And that's the reason I asked if the the subject has been brought up with candidates and races. You know, thinking back to this uh, gubernatorial race between Dewan and Cordray, I don't recall this, the prevailing wage issue, being an issue. I don't remember remember anybody being asked about it or in the number of... uh, uh, state rep and uh, and Senate races, uh, because that would seem to be something that should be on the table. I, you know, if, if you want my vote, pledge to vote to to bring up for uh, you know to sponsor a bill and to and to bring up a vote to 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 get rid of the prevailing wage law. Because you know everything you're saying is obviously very provable and verifiable. And if you look at other states that have gotten rid of it and how they've uh, you know how they've managed, uh, that's that's obviously a great model. I would I would demand. You know, I would like to anyway of anybody who is running that this is something that they pledge to do, and I don't think it's been a, an even a topic of conversation in recent races. When the governor takes up your offer to come talk to you about the transportation needs of Ohio and how to fund them through reforming government rather than raising taxes, you can ask him why would we consider a tax increase until you first got rid of prevailing wage? Not not at the same time. First, then let's take a look at what we need. When a yeah. politician tells you, I am so pro-road, I'm willing to raise taxes, what they really told you is that roads are their lowest priority and there is nothing in the budget that is less, in, that, that is, that is less important than roads. They don't take a penny out of any other part of the budget. They don't reform any other part of the budget uh, because they, in order to put the money in roads because everything's more important than roads. If you'll only fix roads by raising taxes, you've told people it is your lowest priority, not your highest priority your lowest priority. I read the very sentiment on one of your recent tweets and I shared it with our audience before you came on and I completely oh, concur. Good, it's good. it's it's good to yeah, it's good to hammer that point home. <laughs> now, you're 100% yeah. right. Grover Norquist, Americans for Tax Reform, very very informative especially on the prevailing wage issue. Thanks very much for coming on. We appreciate it. Good to be with you. You got it. There's Grover Norquist joining us on AM 1420, The Answer. What do you think? If you want to react, dial 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. We would love to get your thoughts on that right here on AM 1420, The Answer. We'll be back after traffic. Making a living the old hard way. Taking and giving my day by day.
953, now the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer, thanks again to Grover Norquist, uh, joining us to talk about the Ohio gas tax hike. Don't forget, coming up at about uh, 1010, we're going to talk to David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform, about the latest numbers. Uh, DHS Secretary Kirsten Nielsen opening a lot of eyes yesterday, describing the situation at our southern border not as a national emergency anymore. It's far worse than that. It's an absolute meltdown. Uh, that is going on. We need to act, and we need for our elected officials to act. David Ray will talk to us about that coming up at about 10.10. Let me go to uh, Brian, who's calling us from Cleveland. Thanks for your patience. You're on the air. Brian, go, go right ahead. Hey, good morning, Bob. You know, it just, it just makes me sick to my stomach. You know, you, you elect these officials in, and, you know, if you're an employee and you're not able to perform the job in which you were hired for, they're going to fire you. So now... We're going to raise the gas tax because we can't make the budget meet. We can't fix the roads. So what happens the next year when they can't meet the budget and they can't make the road repairs? You know, my road, it looks like I live in Beirut. If you drive down my street, it, it, it's like Beirut. And now they're going to give all this money to public transportation. So what does RTA do with their money? And what does the Ohio lottery do? How much money are they giving the schools? Why, why does the state of Ohio got to continue to rebuild all these schools that doesn't even need to be repaired. Yeah, you know, I don't know where you live, but uh, you know, your your Beirut reference is a pretty good one because I've seen a lot of, and it's not just in Cleveland, by the way. Uh, you know, and I live in a in a suburb as well, and 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 a lot of the surrounding suburbs near me, it is absolutely atrocious. The roads definitely need repaired, but that's not what this is about. You know, whether it's about repairing roads, repairing bridges, or building or construction or constructing or repaving, those things should be priorities in the existing budget, not add-ons like. Grover said at the very end, not add-ons uh, like uh, like adding extra taxes, you know, higher gas taxes. I mean, that's going to hit every American family. 10.7 cents increase per gallon times, I don't know, what's an average car? 13 gallons, roughly? You know, that's that's a lot more money every time you fill up your car, and it's going to hit everybody every you know with their weekly paychecks, their weekly or monthly budgets. Uh, and, of course, again, the diesel is twenty cents increase. They're going to be up to forty eight cents a gallon. That's going to make the cost of goods and services, or particularly goods, uh, rise as well. So, as a consumer, we are going to have to pay more for the products that we buy because of the increased shipping costs associated with getting them to your shelves because of the gas the gas tax on uh, on diesel, the diesel tax increase, and we're going to pay more with less money because we had to put more into our car. Into our tank, um, no. I Grover. I agree with Grover Norquist. It is yes. There are a lot of bad roads, a lot of Beirut-looking roads. No question. We want them to be fixed, but we expect that to be done with our existing tax dollars, not have to uh, uh, raise taxes on us in order to get that done. It just doesn't make any sense. Let's go to Mikhail or Mikhail. It's one way or the other, but he's in Beechwood on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Yes, it's Mikhail. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I wanted I wanted to let you and listeners know about the extreme waste that's in this transportation budget. It is absolutely not for the roads in a very large part. Uh, 40 to 45% of it goes straight to mayors for their slush funds, which means bike lanes and RTA projects that make your commute much, much worse. Yep, just like and, the last caller talked about with mass transit, it's a it, and it's a waste when you give given the ridership, you know the the number of uh, people that actually right. use it, it is absolutely ridiculous. And and what's worse is not only is it going to go to your roads, 
going to make things worse than if they did nothing. We have an $11 million waste here uh, proposed in Beachwood to redo Richmond and Chagrin intersections. Uh, $11 million is coming from the state, four from the city. It's going to be worse than if they did absolutely nothing. So bottom line, if this goes through, lots of projects like Euclid Corridor and Public Square in Cleveland and everything else are going to go through in various cities. And a lot of the mayors and mayors um, association were testifying in favor of this. Why? Because they want to build this a whole lot of stupid projects like Euclid Corridor. And a lot of listeners are going to end up with a lot less lanes and a lot less roads. If this goes through, it's not just the expense. It's going to be a lot more headache. No question about it. Mikhail, that's a great point. I appreciate that. Thanks so much for your phone call. Let me get TJ in Cleveland's perspective on this as well. Hi, TJ. Go ahead. Yeah, hi, Bob. You know, one thing Norquist didn't say, you know, he's talking about Wisconsin and stuff, didn't raise the taxes. Now, I read where the states around us have considerably already higher gas taxes than Ohio. Okay, they're not raising it because they're already pretty high, including Wisconsin. So, I mean, that's one point. The other is I found one thing out about taxes. What's that? The people that don't have to pay it are all for it. Okay, it's like a sin tax. If you don't smoke, you don't drink, yay, raise it again. Now with the well, road well, tax, who are you referring to? Who, who are you referring to there, TJ? Well, no, I'm just saying I don't drive much. Okay, I'm retired. I got a pretty economical vehicle. I fill up my tank maybe once every two and a half weeks. Oh my God! It's not, it's not going to send me to. Well, I'm retired. You know, I don't have to. Yeah, drive you're very week. lucky. <laughs> it's nice to fill up our yeah. tank sometimes and, twice and not, a week. I'm <laughs> not driving a monster SUV or a monster truck either. You know, that just yeah. guzzles the gas. So, from my point of view, it's not going to affect me. So I say, yay, raise the tax, you know, because I'm not paying it. And that's the problem with taxes. The people that don't pay it are all for it. You Oftentimes know, that is the case. Not, not, in all, yeah, not, not in all cases. But, but there you go. I was about to say something. It's kind of like whenever school levies come up for a vote. You know, uh, um, renters don't ever have to worry about it. People who don't pay their own mortgages and don't pay their own property taxes can quickly say, yep, I'll do it because it's not going to be me that's paying the freight. That's a very good point that you make, TJ, and I do appreciate that. It's 10 o'clock. We're going to get a news. On the other side, David Ray, Federation for American Immigration Reform, will be joining us. <clears throat> Excuse me, but if you're on hold and I do some good folks there, Stay there. I'll come to you as quickly as I can on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.